Good morning, good evening, namaste, hola, bonjour, kere maid and marapan. This is Namya Joshi, your host for the day. Welcome to episode 59 of the podcast, Each One, Each Ten, An Amazing World of STEM. An inspiring venture where we'll be discussing that STEM is part of every day for every kid. We all will learn together how to build a STEM culture. Well, for today, my guest as a digital learning coach in Walpole, Massachusetts, Jess Stefanowitz provides job-embedded professional development and instructional coaching for academic technology. Through conferences, workshops, and coaching, Jed aims to engage and build staff or student learning capacity digitally, keeping the practice on practice over product. As a 25-year elementary educator, speaker, blogger, and current Massachusetts Teach Plus Policy Fellow, he shares his passion for effective tech integration to transform teaching and learning, creating engaging and equitable digital learning environments and experiences that activate, innovate, and motivate digital learning. It's an absolute honor to have you here today, Mr. Jed. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm glad that you can hear me and I can hear you because, as we know, technology sometimes gets complicated. Uh, but it's a, the honor is mine to be on your podcast, so I really appreciate the invitation. And I just have to say I'm amazed and impressed with everything you have done so far, and I know it's only just beginning. So I'm really pleased to be a part of your early journey, so thank you. Thank you so much. So we would, before we start with the questions, we would love to know more about the work you're doing right now and what are some of the upcoming projects you've planned about? Sure. Uh, great. I, so my job, I'm a digital learning coach. And what that means is that I'm working with educators, with teachers, hoping to enhance, improve, and engage them with their instruction at the next level, trying to incorporate more technology, but not really just operating more machines, robots, computers, Chromebooks, because we've had to do that. So we're really past the integration phase. And now we're hopefully really at lifting up learning in a new way uh, where students are engaged. And I really love uh, your tagline with STEM, where it's every day for every kid, uh, because that's really the goal. And if if students are engaged with technology for real, we should be engaging every kid every day and then capturing that learning, that knowledge, and then showcasing and celebrating it somehow. We have the tools to do it. We have the tools to create in classrooms, but we also have tools to share what students are creating. So that's what I'm really excited about. And probably one of my next projects is really building um, building a framework or building a program to give to schools to be able to do that across many, many grade levels, I hope. That's really impressive that you love to enhance, improve, and engage the educators and students with what they're comfortable with. And like you mentioned, engaging students every day at every place. And we're really excited for your project as well. We are thinking about building the program for different grade levels. That's really nice. Well, thank you. All right, so jumping towards my first question, I want to ask you, what inspired you to write Take Aim at Digital Learning? Well, probably the same thing that inspired you to write Each One Teach Ten. I mean, it's knowing that you have 
a goal, a message you want to share, or there's something that you want to do um, that you think others might want to hear or need to hear or could benefit from. So take AIM at Digital Learning is, so the AIM stands for Activate, Innovate, Motivate. And it's really just like what we were talking about. I really wanted to uh, capture some of the things I've done. I taught third grade for 25 years. I'm sorry, third grade for 20 years. And this is now my sixth year as a digital learning coach. So I've been a teacher forever, since the 1900s, as I like to say. And what I like, I've learned a lot along the way, and I've shared a lot along the way, and I have ideas, hopefully, that can help some other teachers incorporate technology. And like I said, it's not about just bringing computers in, because that's not going to do it. It's really about looking at lessons, looking at, you know, even great lessons that teachers have done for 20 years, it's sometimes helpful to refresh those lessons, to look and say, what is it we want to do and can we add to it? Not change it or replace it, you know, and no no one's looking to replace teachers with robots. No one's looking to replace curriculum with technology. What we're looking to do is enhance it and add it. So that book, Take Aim, is really about activating content, so getting kids engaged, innovating instruction kind of rethinking and reframing the way things have always been done and then motivating learners so that it's all about student engagement. Like you said, every kid, every day, and you're creating moments that are meaningful and they're memorable and they're also measurable for teachers too. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, that you wrote this um, with, for, but uh, by knowing that you have a goal and you want to share a message to the entire world and there's something that you want others to hear and like you've mentioned that you've learned a lot like through all these years and the different experiences that you've had so I think that's a really great way to share your ideas with different teachers and one thing that I really like it doesn't have to always be tech integrated because sometimes experiences matter a lot but we can teach people what to do and how to do and I really love your idea of activate innovate and motivate digital learning to make moments that matter and from which we can learn as well at the same time you are a very good listener <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much all right so moving to my next question that I have for you is uh, I was exploring about you and I read something very interesting mentioned by you to ex explore three domains of digital learning, wellness, competency, and creativity. So I would love to know more about this. And I think our audience is very intrigued as well to know more about that. Sure. What it really is, is, you know, it's like you said, innovation doesn't have to mean technology. And and becoming a better teacher doesn't mean you have to use technology, but it does mean that we have to grow. Everybody wants to grow in their job. So if we want to grow with technology, either a teacher, a school, a whole school district, I think all technology integration that's really helpful falls into those three areas, uh, wellness, competency, and creativity. So you know, we've talked a lot about digital citizenship in years, and you, you I know, are an expert on digital citizenship. But what I find, and I wonder if you find the same things, you know, parents might think it's the school's job. School might think it's a parent's responsibility. Some teachers feel like it is a guidance who's in charge of it, who's talking about digital citizenship with students. But when we think about it as wellness, not digital citizenship, it changes. Because then we're talking about 
TikTok. Then we're talking about who are kids connecting with online. Then we're talking about the reality of what second and third graders are really doing. And it's not about how to make a safe password anymore. We're, we need to get past that. And, you know, do we have 10-year-olds who are up till 11 or 12 o'clock at night on TikTok and then they can't fall asleep? And the answer is yes, we do. So that's where I think a wellness conversation needs to happen. And when you talk about it as wellness, it's everybody's responsibility, including the students and parents and schools and principals. Um, and when you talk about sometimes just digital citizenship, it's easy for every group to say, well, someone else is going to go deliver those lessons. Who's delivering those? But from a wellness point of view, and this is where you're an expert, you know, it's you're talking about kids' cognitive health, like where where's the understanding and the ability to understand, but you're also talking about the behavioral health. Are there are there kids who their relationships are being affected by the connections they're making online, and you know, the, we have kids who get through the whole school day and they can't wait to get home because that's when their day begins because they have five thousand followers. And that's a real different reality. So there's a behavioral, there's a cognitive, and then big time, the social-emotional. And the social-emotional piece is there's such a direct and powerful potential for great things to happen, but an immediate potential for obviously dangerous things to happen. So that's where I think we need to be having those conversations in schools. And there aren't great, well, there are becoming more and more great platforms and resources for teachers to learn more, parents to learn more. And, you know, if I go into a second grade class across the hall and I ask them who's on Roblox and their hands go up or who's in, who plays Minecraft and their hands go up, but then I say, how many of you have been contacted by someone you don't know on Roblox or Minecraft and all their hands go up? So no wonder te- teachers and parents freak out. And what they do sometimes is parents will just say, no more Roblox, no more Minecraft, no more, you know. And there's not an understanding of how servers work and how safety settings work. And so I think it's just an increasing knowledge base and everyone learning more. But it's really interesting because for the first time, I think, as a teacher and in this business, the students are the experts in many ways more than the grownups around them. So I think schools and teachers and parents, everyone needs to really respect that and honor that because you know, look at what you have built. Look at this conversation we're having, and you are more knowledgeable than this recording platform. But you know, the fact that you're hosting this conversation, having international dialogue, is just amazing. And I think this is where we need to be focusing attention and giving students opportunities like this. Because in school, you might have someone who's super quiet, super shy, and might seem withdrawn, and then she goes home and has an international podcast. So. You know, it's a great reminder for us out there. Thank you. And that's really encouraging that you're talking about how growth is important. And like, uh, even if it's not always important to integrate technology, but like in today's world, it's one of the most important thing like that is helping every, you know, institution as an educator center or anyone for everyone to grow. And when you're talking about like digital citizenship, like people always have this dilemma is just about, you know, being safe online. But it's more than that. Like if we can, you know, inspire students to become the impactors, they can teach people how to become alert, how to become engaged, inclusive, aware, informed, and how they can, you know, be that themselves 
And then when there are the impactors, like when we talk about the competency of digital citizenship, we can train them as well to teach other people of how to be safe online. Like you talked about, like, you know, the thing is that it always has to be between school and parents and they're telling each other, like, it's your responsibility. But then if we can teach students, then they can understand how they're acting online and that will help them a lot in their wellness. And when you talked about like TikTok, I totally agree with that. Like, even though we don't have it in India, but like people using Instagram is like, one day you have really good followers, you're very happy. And if you post um, like um, a reel and you don't get likes and then you feel sad. So I don't think that should basically, you know, demotivate you. You should always focus on your, like you said, like cognitive and behavior health. And I really love the, you know, uh, example of Minecraft that we don't know who we meet online, like on Hypixel and all on servers. So we need to be careful about that as well, about who we meet and how do we connect with them and we better not share our personal details at all. So I totally agree with those points. Thank you. Yeah, it's really about those, you know, really smart practices. But how should a second grader know how to do that? You know, we have to teach them that. Exactly. And what I love is that they're going to hear it way better from you than they're going to hear it from me. And in school, I'll have fourth and fifth graders make videos to teach second and third graders, you know, ways to be safe, what to do, instead of me just saying what not to do. You know, if I go around saying, don't do this, don't do this. But a fifth grader says, when you're making a password, this is what you should do. This is why you should keep your information private. And that's such a like you said, it's it's really empowering, right? You have the older kids in the school empower them to deliver the messages to the younger students because the younger students are going to listen to them. So that's the wellness part of it, of that domains. And then the competency is just how are we using digital tools, strategies, actual. And then the fun part, of course, is the creativity. And that's Absolutely. my favorite domain because that's where we want to have be creating opportunities in class. So instead of old-fashioned cardboard stand-up posters, you know, fine. If you really want to make that poster, what can what can you add to that poster? Can you record the student recording? Can you add QR codes to that poster? Can you add depth and dimension? And use the incredible devices we have in our classrooms to really showcase. You know, if you're making a poster, isn't that really a website? Because you have a main topic in all these subtopics, why not teach you know, middle schoolers to really build website design, make a simple Google site. But the skill that's being taken away from there, yes, you're learning about pandas, but behind the scenes, you're also learning how to build a website and then the structure of, you know, really informative research at the same time. I totally agree with that. And that's exactly how we learn. Like, you know, uh, you're learning different skills at the same time. You can always go ahead and share that with people because the more you share, the better, you know, you actually become in on that concept. Love it. And you know what? It's like you said, you're, you're learning parallel skills, two skills at the same time, but not by secret. That's something that always bothers me, right? When if, if you, you know, a, a program that comes into a school, if it says kids are going to learn how to code without even realizing it, then it's backwards, right? You're not trying to trick kids into learning something. They should know exactly what both sets of skills you're learning. Yes, you're researching pandas, but at the same time, you're, you're learning how to build a website or you're, you're using a robot to get from the playground to the, you know, cafeteria on the map. But what you're learning is that computational thinking. What you're learning is the step-by-steps. And then, 
you know, then you say at the end, guess what? That that's what an algorithm is, and you don't have to. You're not tricking anyone. You're being really intentional about. I don't know. There's a respect, I think, to that, and I think sometimes that gets lost, especially with higher level technology. I agree. Totally agree with that point. So uh, I would like to ask you, like you know, the new teaching pedagogy talks a lot about empowering learning and activating learning by integrating cutting edge technology into environment and culture. So, uh, according to you, how can technology change the classroom climate and you know make it a very good way of engaging students and teachers at the same time? Well, this this is a perfect continuation of this conversation because it's. Absolutely. You know, when we think about the creativity domain, especially, um, it doesn't have to be cutting edge technology, but what cutting edge technology allows us is to just improve some of the same things that have been great teaching forever. Mm-hmm. You know, we had camcorders on our shoulders or pressing tape recorders back in the day or making posters. What is it we're trying to do? We're trying to capture student learning. We're trying to have students empowered to own their learning, describe the process, right? And that's something that, you know, great technology and an app like Book Creator or, you know, even just Google Slides or any presentation tool that we provide for students allows them to give a finished product, but it also gets them to capture the process along the way. Even just taking an iPad in a room and having kids record how they solve a math problem. You know, there's... It's such an interesting thing if you kind of flip the idea. And so this is something I did with my third grade a lot. I'll say the answer is 24 and everyone has a whiteboard, right? Not high technology. And if the answer is 24, everyone comes up with a different question. You know, it could be multiplication. It could be a sports team number. It could be number of degrees in an angle. It could be addition, subtraction. It could be all sorts of different things where the answer is 24, then you're really pushing some divergent thinking. And everyone in the room is correct in their question, because they're not trying to answer all the same question. They have the same answer, and they're all creating their own question. So then instead of a whiteboard, you hand out iPads, and you give a series of possible answers and say, you show me, demonstrate a process. You know, I know three times five is 15. But can you show me why three times 15, three times five is 15? Then you get third graders, fourth graders, second graders in a totally different conversation. And I tell them it's a different part of your brain because they now have to represent it. They now have to model it. And it gets away from just math facts and math computation. And then you're thinking about math practices and the modeling and representation. And if they can teach it, I didn't make this up, but I heard it. And it's the idea that teaching is learning twice. And I love that because if kids can teach something, you know, they understand it and they can teach how to multiply. You know, I can have a student teach how to do a kick on a skateboard or teach how to do a certain braid in her hair. It doesn't matter if students are teaching something. That's the empowerment you're talking about. And let's give an iPad to teach how to do it. Let's turn our phones on. Let's use Book Creator and press record. Let's use the tools we have to empower students to take that ownership of what they're learning and then showcase what they've what they've created through that understanding. 
that's really inspiring that you know you said about how teaching is learning twice and how different student uh, different tools can be used by students to showcase what they've got uh, and what different learning practices they can adopt and i think like when we use technology in the classroom it provides a more engaged learning environment like you're talking about different technology tools like book creator that can be used and i also believe that it can prepare students for their future it helps them to connect better with each other like collaboration enhances their forces uh boosts their collaboration skills and i think that one of the best way is that it supports their learning as well because they're learning at the same time they're enjoying with different tools in a very collaborative environment in the classroom mm-hmm. and uh, also like sometimes when we have the gamified learning through minecraft or through different tools and I, that's when you know the students become very much engaged because it's a game and first of all like everybody loves to play games so like mm-hmm. when we create you know uh, different games on our own as well using scratch or different uh, other websites students become really much engaged because i believe that time they can actually test their own skills that how much they know and what is their potential and how much more they can uh, become better at it you know it's real interesting because that's really scary for a lot of teachers mm-hmm. to give that much away and you know and depending on the culture of your your school the culture of your classroom what you're giving away is a lot of control and if you're a uh-huh. teacher who thrives on that control that can be really challenging because you're not an expert and so scratch is a great example i mean scratch is amazing right but right. scratch is so open ended that it's very hard for a classroom teacher to just give that opportunity because in 5 minutes they can't help their students sometimes Right. So that's a really interesting thing to to give up that much control and some teachers don't it just it's too much or it's too difficult and they want to be able to really um frame a lesson where they are the content expert. And when yeah. it comes to scratch and when it comes to um you know moments especially like you said the 4Cs, they want to create a very closed environment that will support collaboration and communication. Um but then there are other teachers who love to say i don't know let's find out and that's a very difficult thing to do sometimes if you're a new teacher because you feel like you need to be an expert if you're a long time teacher because you are an expert in other areas but then especially with new technology it's a challenging thing so you know it's like i said at the beginning it's students in the classrooms are are the content experts and sometimes the the technical experts um of some of the devices that are being used in the buildings more so than the teachers so it makes it challenging yep i agree uh, and i think here when the challenge comes i think teachers can always introduce flip teaching that she's giving some concepts to students and then there's some liberty that time where the concept has been taught already and the students have to come and prepare like a summary about the concept so there they can use whichever tool they you know at you know desire to use but i totally agree with the point that it's not always important to use technology she the teacher can use like whichever she's comfortable with and where she has the entire control and she's be, she'll be able to handle whichever concept that she's teaching and that idea of flip learning it's great and like you said the the student can use whatever tool they want and yeah that's really important because then the lesson isn't about the tool anymore right yes. it's not about this is a lesson about book creator this is a lesson in how to use clips or 
TikTok or whatever it is. It's the student at home gets to use the tool they're most comfortable with, they're most knowledgeable about. But then when they come back and present to their class, think from a teacher, all the everything you're learning. It's a great opportunity for teachers to learn, you know, from their students. Um, but again, that's it, it takes a little bit of a challenge and a little bit of a rethinking the way that teachers are taught to be the, you know, in control of their class. But it really right. gets to that point of um, the focus is on the practice and not the product. And I think that's great yeah. because the practice we want is engaged student learning and really capturing that thinking. Yep. That's how we summarize it. Summarize it. Practice on not the product. Love it. All right. So I have a fun question for you. What do you love to do in your leisure time? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I have three grown-up kids. Um, I have one who graduated college, one who's graduating college next month, and one who's graduating college in two years. So I love to spend time with my kids. Um, I'm also in a band, so I, I get to. I love playing music. I love writing music. Um, I have pets, um, but I really also do love uh, writing and creating things. And you know, just like you, I'm sure you wake up with an idea and you have to write it down, or you have. And I, I think I saw you started your second book. I think yes. you started your second book the day your first book was published. Exactly. <laughs> so, and and I know exactly what that feels like. It's you know, have you seen Hamilton by the way? Yep. So you know that whole idea. It's your he writes like he's running out of time. Yes. I don't feel quite like that, but I do feel like there's so many ideas and. You know, you've got a, a great head start and it's in my, I'd like to create. And sometimes I create with bonsai trees. Sometimes I create by writing music. Sometimes I create because I have an idea that might make a good blog or maybe turn into a, a, a cool book. So you never know. That's really nice. You'd like to go with the flow, like whatever your heart feels with. You uh, spend time with your family, with your pets, or writing things down, playing music. I think that's really great way to, you know, spend a leisure time. It's not like you have to do something, but you do it because you want to do it. You got it. All right. So my next question for you is that uh, listening today has just reminded me of this fact that you're very passionate about empowering student voice. So how do we create change that celebrates every student so that the paradigm should change from impact to influence? Ah, that happens to be the title of my second book, Impact to Influence. And <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, and what that project really was about was I wanted to find people who have done it, people who have been teachers and they're still teachers or teachers who have left the classroom. But instead of impacting one group of students at a time, they moved into a role where they could influence a whole building or a whole school district, or I have a national teacher of the year. I've got authors, podcasters. But what I wanted to do was hear how they did it and why they did it. What was it about them that said, yes, I want to I want to increase my reach and really for the purpose of student learning. Um, so what I did was I researched a little bit about each person. I had a conversation with them, but then I did an interview just like this. We just recorded on Zoom. So when you read the book, there's three or four pages about somebody, and then there's a QR code that goes to a 20 or 30 minute interview. So I didn't want to make a podcast because there are awesome podcasts like yours, and I didn't want to make another podcast, but I wanted to put those recordings into a book. 
So it's really a collection and it kind of feels like professional development for me because I got to learn from these people who, you know, I think I can learn a lot from, but I wanted to put them into a book so that other people could learn lessons from people who said, yes, I wanted to become a principal because I could reach and lead teachers or no, I didn't want to leave the classroom because I could do more as a classroom teacher. Or I wanted to move in to be a teacher of the year because I could really increase my voice. Or I wanted to become an author so I could tell stories and work with, you know, reach thousands of, of kids in different schools. So it was a really fun project for me personally. And I call it a project more than a product because it wasn't about, you know, making a book I wanted to sell. It was really about creating something and capturing all these different stories that selfishly I could learn from and then connecting these people with each other. But the way it connects to your question about empowering students, well, it begins with empowering teachers too. And since COVID, it's been really hard for teachers to feel like they've reclaimed you know, what it is they love about teaching because it was so hard and coming back, it's been so hard. But what we need to do is make sure we're connecting with every student. And, you know, when you say, how do you reach every voice? And that's one of the things I would uh, like to talk about at workshops too, is uh, reaching every voice. You know, when you're a teacher, early on, you're taught at the end of the day, go home. And did you hear every student's voice in the day? And it's a good reminder about being very personalized and individualized. But now I would push that question further and say, have you invited or given opportunities to capture every voice in the room. And it could be with recording, but it doesn't have to be. But what it means is, does everyone feel like their voice has value? Does everyone feel like their opinion matters? Does everyone feel like their poem, their research, their worksheet is as valuable as everybody else's? And how is that being shared? And we have the tools to share it better. We have the tools, you know, you, yours goes out on Anchor. I have a podcast in my school. Well, now it's podcasters for on Spotify, right? But uh, same thing. And you know, you can have six and seven-year-old kids who, instead of worksheets going on a bulletin board in the hallway, you can capture them sharing their thinking. Read that worksheet idea. Or third or fourth graders have a conversation about a book, but record it, and then it's on Spotify. How awesome is that? You know, for a teacher to be able to publish thinking. And what it really boils down to is that rethinking what we mean when we say publish. And we're not just printing poems, we're not just copying worksheets, and we're not just making bulletin boards that only people in the school see. We're reaching beyond the school and really showing uh, and sharing what kids are doing within the school. Every kid, every day, as you say. Really inspiring that uh, how you started with hearing how different people did what they wanted to do. And then you put that out, uh, put the recordings of Zoom into a book. I think that's a really great idea that you're listening to different people and listen to their experiences so that even you can learn from them at the same time, other people could learn from them as well. And that's exactly, exactly how a podcast serves as well. Like you're inviting guests, learning from them at the same time, helping other people to learn from them as well. And like, I love the way you call that it's a project and not a product, that you're empowering teachers first, and that leads to empowering students and connecting with every student and reaching their every voice. And one thing I really loved is uh, that you're capturing not just the work being done, but how the work was done, what was the effort Mm. put into that work. 
and that's how you're reaching beyond the point. So that's really inspiring. Well, you you know you know exactly what it's like because you published a book and you published it fast, kind of like I did, and we both published with X Factor. And you know what? That's kind of talk about empowering. You were in charge of every word of that book. You were in charge of you know what you wanted to say. You're in charge of who you talked to about it. And that's a really cool process. I mean, you now you know what it's like, and it's you know you your influence is huge. Look at how many guests you've had, and look who you've connected with, and those connections only build. So, yeah, it's 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 a really empowering feeling, I guess. And and to be the person writing the book and then sharing it, it is you know it's a project and not a product. Yes. You know, you didn't write your book to to sell a book. You wrote a book to create something create a platform, create a voice. And you have such a voice right now that it's uh, it's pretty impressive. And it's going to be great to see how you choose to use it. But you, it's all in your control. You know, Absolutely. I was in a meeting where we were in a Zoom together and your mom was also there and she was so proud of you. Um, but you're in charge. You know, you're and that's what's really fun to watch is that this is this is your project and you're mm-hmm. you're sharing it. Um, so it's it's very impressive. I'm, I'm glad to be part of this conversation with you. Same here. So before we end, people can learn quite a bit from you as well, because you're not waiting. You know, you don't have to wait till you're 50 like me to, to publish a book. You don't have to wait until you're, you know, through university or in a career to realize that others can learn something from you. Mm-hmm. So I want every, whether you're 50, whether you're 16 or whether you're eight years old, every voice should have a, uh, be able to reach as far as they want. Absolutely. That's totally agreeable to me because like age is just a number. So you can do anything that you want at every time and like spread your messages is the most important thing. And talking about message, like we would love to know where we can find you online and we would love to have a message from you for the audience watching us right now. Mm. All right. Well, it's easy to find me online on Twitter. I'm at uh, at Stefanowitz135. Um, and my website is jedpd.com. So the PD for professional development. And there you can find links or see other blogs or just kind of learn more about me. I love visiting schools. I love talking about my work. And I guess, I don't know, my message, that's a great question, what my message would be. I think my message, instead of, you know, instead of looking for a quote, because I'm flipping through my pages thinking about, but I don't want to do that. I really want to just continue our conversation. And I think my message is, you know, learn from Namya, you know, learn from you. Look at, look at what you've chosen to do. And what you've chosen to do is what that book impact influence was all about. And I wish I met you, you know, a year ago, because then I would have, you would have been in the book. But if there's ever another one, you'll be chapter one, Um, because that's exactly it. Instead of impacting, you know, TikTok to 100 followers, you have a podcast that's very forward thinking. Your audience, you know, well, you don't even know who your audience is. I mean, that's a really cool thing. And I think students, I think teachers, I think educators, I think adults can learn from you and your message, but also from you and just the steps you took to take an idea and turn it into action. As a digital learning coach, that's what my job is, to work with teachers to take an idea and make it happen. It's not about improving them and teaching them how to be a better first grade teacher. It's really about look at what we have around us. What idea do you have? What's getting in the way? And clear 
clear whatever the barriers are because anyone, I think anyone can do anything that they want to do if they have the tools to do it, the ambition to do it, and then we can clear the obstacles. And to be honest, sometimes those are very hard obstacles and, you know, it requires help along the way. That's one of the things I learned from that book. Sometimes it's problems or challenges that are individual, but other times they're in uh, challenges or problems that are systemic challenges. And then we need to look to eliminate those challenges and barriers from a school or a systemic point of view as well, so that everyone has that same equitable access. A very long answer, but I'm going to go back to the short one. Learn from you, Namya. Thank you so much. I really love the idea of how you can have the absolute uh, tools, handy ambition, and then you can clear the obstacles to achieve anything that you want in life. And like listening to you has just reminded me like the number one factor in engagement in classroom is relevance because relevance drives out resistance. Oh, I love that. Thank you. That's a good, so, that's a good tattoo. <laughs> thank you. So it has been a really great opportunity for me to listen to you today. And thank you so much for giving out your time and coming on my podcast. It has been my pleasure and my honor. And like I said, I'm, uh, I'm proud to be on here and I'm proud of you because I think it's really inspiring to see what you've done. And I appreciate the opportunity to share my thinking with you and your audience as well. Thank you. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. And I'll see you on the next one. Till then, each one, each 10, have a nice day. Thanks. Thanks.